What is up, everybody? Welcome to season four of the Monday Main Point. This season might look a little bit different, but we're really excited about this coming up season with the Monday Main Point here. I'm joined with me by Pastor Jeff here, our lead pastor, and I am Blake Flinch. I'm the children's minister and interim youth minister here at Rose of Sharon, and I'll be the host for the for the meantime with this year. We're uh, we're really excited about kicking off this new season with you. Um, we uh, were a couple pastors down, but uh, Jeff and I still wanted to. Uh, we still wanted to bring this ministry about because it is a good way to uh, connect with young people and really to get into a uh, really to be able to kind of get into our minds a little bit about why we do what we do, why we prep our sermons the way we do. And just to give you all some insight on what we uh, what we think about with sermon preparation and what we wish we could have said if we had a if we had more time. So it's a great um it's a great avenue for that, so I'm looking forward to that. We uh, we've got a very interesting topic to start out our new season with, with uh, talking about sanctity of life Sunday. And Pastor Jeff brought a sermon, and he's joined here with me uh, from Job chapter 33, verse four, and it was entitled "Why I Am Pro Life." Uh, Jeff, I'll just give the give the floor to you here. What what was your mindset with this sermon? Why why this weekend? What's the What's been the history of this weekend, and why is it so valuable for believers to start now? Okay, well, first of all, um, this particular Sunday was January the 22nd, uh, 2023, which is the actual 50-year anniversary of the date that Roe v. Wade became the law of the land Mm -hmm. when abortion pretty much on demand was made legal. So, uh, And it's been a year since um, Roe v. Wade was... was, um, you know, uh, was, was was considered as unconstitutional and sent back to the states. So that that makes you think. Well, uh, is the fight over? Is the battle over? Uh, but what what has happened then is is this um, fight then has moved more to the states. And the problem with us as Christians, when we think about pro life, um, unfortunately, the battle became a political battle, which it never should have been. Um, but that's the arena we're in now. And if you just stay in that arena, then you can get confused as to why you're pro-life or maybe you shouldn't be pro-life um, because the debate is couched in terms that um, the media and the people on the abortion side, um, most of our politicians and all will use terms and all and try to define uh, our position for us. So, so it makes their position look even stronger. So, so I know I needed to address it, um, and I was thinking about a way to do that, and I, I wanted to find a, a good pro-life passage um, to be able to talk about. And when I saw that clip, especially by Andrea Mitchell, when she chided that reporter for saying, you can't use that term, it, it, uh, these people in that movement use it, but that's not what it that's not a good term and all this stuff. So I'm thinking, well, hold on. Why, why is she the one being the person that can say, define what I mean by pro-life? So I wanted to make sure people knew a way to define themselves as that way in a moral sense, not a political sense, which is really the underground belief system that we have while we choose to be pro-life. And that's so important because with, um, and I think we saw with this past, election cycle the topic of abortion had really come had really come up with the overturning of roe v wade with the dobbs decision this had been on a lot of people's minds 
especially with this past November. And I, I really want to compliment you on you did. I really think you did a great job yesterday because I think you went to great pains to show that for a believer, this topic shouldn't just be a political issue. And it's so it's so easy to kind of fall into that because that's what the that's what the narrative is on that right now is to make it a political issue when really it's more of a more of a moral issue. Right. And so. Uh, I was also trying to find out a way then to allow our people, if they wanted to have a discussion with someone, yeah. to be able to share why they believe the way they believe without being judgmental, come condemning to those people, but saying, look, I'm speaking from my heart. This is what I believe about it. And so when I came across that verse, which is a good verse, I'm like, well, what's the context of the verse? And it was Elihu and the way he begins his whole debate because he's de- he's basically debating a life issue with uh, Job yeah. and Job's friends because Job, uh, and according to uh, the word of God, he was righteous before God. So we take that as, as that Job was sinless. And so their whole thing was, you've committed a sin. That's why this happened to you. And Job kept saying, I haven't sinned. So uh, Elihu comes in, Elihu comes in, and he's been listening to these people, and he goes, you know, all of you are wrong. you got to look at it from God's perspective. So even if Job was a righteous person who never sinned, even even if you were that, you still were in need of a Savior, and you still needed to realize that God is the one that's in control. He's the creator of life, and he's the sustainer of life. He can give, and he can take away. And so it's not really in our control to do that, and that's what the whole abortion debate is about in the political realm that the woman has the right to choose and she's in control of her body and so she can take this life that's inside her because that's her that's her prerogative and so we as pro-life believe that 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 baby even if she takes that baby's life was created in god's image and so it still needs to be respected and we still need to fight and try to rescue uh those those children, those preborn children. Yeah, for sure. And I think with um, and I think one area um, we can kind of struggle in is I I know for a lot of believers we can talk about pro life with it just being inside the womb, which obviously I think we should because mm-hmm. 62, 62 million unborn children have been aborted since nineteen seventy three, which is tragic. Yeah, and that's just America. And that's just in America, but the pro life movement for or the pro-life position doesn't just stop at birth it should continue on till like you were talking about yesterday with natural death and how you know how do we be good you know how can we really glorify christ with you know with that with the topics of inside the womb and outside the womb right and i think scripture points to doing both right and so uh so when i looked at elihu when he then began his debate to, to show his position. He's an interesting character. In yeah, yeah. Job. And yeah. so he's kind of like a like some people claimed like he was like a John the Baptist huh. because after Elihu Elihu speaks, then then God speaks. Huh. You know, in a bunch of questions to Job. Yeah. I haven't heard that analogy before. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't really looked into that, but right. it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Food for thought. But when he comes in there, you know, I'll just read to you what what I read from the message. He says, so please, Job, hear me out. Honor me by listening to me. What I'm about to say has been carefully thought out. I have no ulterior motives in this. I'm speaking honestly from my heart. Then he gives the passage. The spirit of God made me what I am. The breath of the almighty gave me life. 
And if you think you can prove me wrong, do it. Lay out your arguments. Stand up for yourself. Look, I'm human. No better than you. We're both made from the same kind of mud. Let's work this thing through together. Don't let my aggressiveness overwhelm you. In other words, my passion about my position, you know. So, 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 couched in that, I thought, well, this was a great passage to show that that's the same way we should be. If we're talking with someone mm. that's a friend of ours or acquaintance or maybe a relative and all, and maybe they're undecided on the pro-life issue or the abortion issue, or maybe they're fully, you know, vetted with being uh, pro-abortion and uh, and all this stuff, then if you have a political debate, well, it's probably never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not- maybe you say, well, let's set aside this political debate for a moment. What I'd like to share with you is why I'm pro-life. Yeah. And that was the whole point is to say, um, the reason I'm pro-life, if you look at that passage in that very particular verse there, he says, the spirit of God's made me and the breath mm. of the Almighty gives me life. So he's he's saying that, uh, that, that, that God then, because he made me and he gives me breath and gives me life, then, then really I'm in God's hands and he can do in my life what he pleases. And so whether I live to be, you know, six months old or I live to be 106 years old, you know, it's all in God's hand and it should be up to God then. Uh, as to when man dies. Yeah, and I th- um I like that you use this pad because I think a lot of times, and we'll get into some of these later when it talks about like pro life passages. Obviously, like uh, Genesis one, like you reference, comes into mind. Uh, Jeremiah one, Psalm one thirty nine. Um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard this preached from uh, pro life from Jeremiah uh, from Job thirty three, which I actually enjoyed because uh, looking at uh, the context of it and seeing how um. Job or Elihu and Job is having this conversation. I think it really goes back to what you were getting at, which I'm like seeing the seeing the full picture really does make sense on with the application of having this conversation. Yeah, in, in so, our culture. Yeah, and yeah. so when you take what that verse, then it really goes back to that creation story. Yeah, it's particularly in Genesis two seven, and that gets to our first point. You know, I'm pro life because we believe God made us, yeah. and He said the Spirit of God made me. So. That's the same word that's used in Genesis about how God created the earth and God formed a man. And so it's the same verb. It's the same. It's the same word. So when we think about God creating us, our minds automatically go back to Adam and Eve. And we understand what he created them. And in Genesis 2, 7, it says the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. And then the second part of the verse is he breathed life and the breath of life to the man into his nostrils, it became a living person. So, so that's basically requoting uh, what Elihu said. Elihu says right here um, is re, is requoting Genesis two seven. So, so I had to go back to the the um, original creation story, and I used all those passages where he made man, but then he also made woman, and so God's hand is in creation of human beings yes all right well a lot of people just leave it at that and so the next so so you think okay well that that was done and and so now god's hands are you know he's sitting back now just letting it take place and let everything happen but if you then if you go to um psalm 139 jeremiah and isaiah you realize that that formation that took place in creation still happens in the womb 
that God was the one that created this whole reproductive process because he told them be fruitful and multiply, reproduce. And so so he created this whole reproduction process where, where his hand is still upon the child that's being formed and he still has a plan and a purpose for that child's life. And I think that really counteracts where uh, that really is a good counter argument to um, a lot of times when people are trying to defend abortion, they'll use the term like reproductive rights and things like that. Well, for, I, you know, I see how somebody who is not a God worshiper, God fear, would be like, well, the baby was created. What did God have to do with it? Well, God is that author of life. He did initiate that reproductive process because he has initiated it. He has the right to be called that author of life because this whole process came from him. And he has a, he has a plan for that child who has, um, you know, been conceived and for all of us. And that goes, that goes on. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause, um, and I know with your, with your sermon, it was, it seemed like real, like testimonial a little bit, you know, like why I am pro-life. And I appreciate that. Cause, um, well, I'm just curious, how old were you when Roe v. Wade was 14, 14? I got yeah. you. What was, what was the, Help some younger people like me understand what was like the history leading up to that. Was there a lot of like debate in that time about it? I mean, yeah. So what, what was happening is uh, a lot of lot of states uh, didn't allow abortion. Period. Right. But but there were a lot of other states like California, New York, places that like that that did. Okay. And so um, so they were pushing. It was all it was all about the women's rights movements and all these things. They were pushing all this stuff. The sexual revolution, all that was all happening around the 60s and 70s. And um, so it was just so they were saying that they have a right over their own body. But at that time, too, it was not it was in the 60s and 70s. And uh, at that time, you didn't really have uh, the knowledge we have now. The scientific. Yeah. the scientific. So they were basically saying that that. the, the child that was being formed wasn't really a child. It was just a, a glob of sales fetus. Yeah. Water. yeah. You know, and so it, it was never really given personhood at that time. But we now we know uh, through the miracle of science. And I mean, like if a child right now is being formed in the womb. Um, it's got DNA at conception. Yeah. And so and so also once the heartbeat begins and then. Once it starts forming, you start seeing its uh, figures and all. Like if a child right now, let's say, had like a cleft lip. Yeah. Where they have the modern science now that could go in there and actually fix that cleft lip on the fetus. Yeah. And come right back out. So, so, so it's not just a glob. It wasn't just a bunch of cells and all. It really was something happening. So the big thing about the sonograms and things like that. The important thing about like pregnancy support and all, they want to, they want these ladies that are pregnant, and they still have. I mean, by law, they have to say, "Here's all your options," and abortion's one of them. Right. But they want them to go ahead and have the sonogram, and uh, because once a lady sees that heartbeat and knows there's a living being in it, it, it does something to them. It changes their heart and mind about it because then you realize there's a life inside me. But if I if I look at it as not being a life not and not a person then yeah i am just getting rid of a bunch of cells and things like that so it's kind of dehumanizing the pre-born 
baby. Right, and that's why I've always found the um, like my body, my choice argument kind of interesting because um, with obviously like we were talking about with the scientific uh, you know discoveries that we've had, and we we obviously know from there you know like that at conception um, a um, a baby's going to have its own DNA, and within a few weeks, you know, a heartbeat can come around, and um, and all that's forming, and we can see that from the scientific side. But going back to the scripture here, we see a theme of that authorship of life was starting right there, um, from scripture too. And as as believers, uh, it's very important to know why you believe what you believe, and the reason we are pro, you know, I, we really believe that believers should be pro-life is because scripture's clear that i mean god's pro-life he created life yeah. we see that from the bible we and, and especially as southern baptist we are strong on biblical authority right you know you know a lot of you know a lot of uh i know your old school baptist or you know if the bible says it i believe it you right. know that kind of authority over our lives and you see that theme throughout you know like especially when it the passages become a lot more intimate like in that um Jeremiah passage where it's like before I formed you in the womb I knew you. Yeah, right, right. That's I've always thought that's an amazing verse because it shows like the intimacy of God, how much He loves His people, um, and even even so much He there was a distinction with us and the rest of creation. You know, the rest of creation was good, but humans were made very good. Yeah by God because we are his favorite creation and that goes to why Jesus died for humans, why God became a human. You know, he uh I mean, yeah, he loves he's trying to redeem the whole creation through his son Jesus right now, but he really wants to redeem humans to have that right relationship with them. That's why he became a man and not uh, like a whale, you know, he doesn't want that, you know, he didn't come to redeem whales, he came to redeem humans right. and became the God man right. for that. Um yeah, because when, when we believe God made us and we believe that God is the author and that he brings that form, formulation, uh, if we have that as our root cause of why we believe what we believe, that's going to affect a lot of other areas. Yeah, and so the reason, and, and like I said, the, uh, it's kind of a play on, on the, the points. I am pro-life because we believe yeah. God made us. Right. So that so I was taking the political argument like okay set that aside right now here's the biblical moral argument so if I really believe God made me and made me in His image and not only me but you too and everybody else out there and even that preborn child being formed then I need to to um, respect that life and before that life because the sad thing about it is even in the choice argument. The child in the womb has no choice. And so if but if you believe that, you know, everything is just by circumstance and chance and there's no rhyme or reason, there's no purpose, no divine providence. If there's no God, you know, if I believe in evolution, this is just evolutionary processes and all that. So 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 a lot of the argument in the political realm is couched in those terms because you're dealing with secular people. You're not dealing with people from faith. So so if I'm going to have a dis- discussion with them, um, then I have to say I'm coming from a faith, faith perspective. And and even though we disagree, you know, I, I respect you and 
and and I, but I believe that you know God created us in His image. And I want to let our listeners know conversations like that without it getting heated are possible. Um, I've had uh, I've had a few, especially um, in high school. Really, not so much in <laughs> not so much in seminary. You know, there were one or two that I spoke with, but uh, talking with people who are more pro-choice, pro-abortion. Uh, usually when you come to them and you, you try to see, um, I, I know I say it all the time, but just like you were saying, having a genuine conversation with somebody, with a conversation that kind of presupposes you care about them, you, you want to know where they're coming from. And a lot of times when they know that you care and they know that, you know, you're not going to just bicker and fuss, just to bicker and fuss and, uh, you know, push an agenda rather to just have conversations and build relationships with somebody that a lot of times they're going to reciprocate that back. And obviously on both sides, you're going to have people who don't, but that's just the nature of just the nature of what it is. Um, you can actually have a lot of fruitful conversations, see where they're coming from and always be able to implement the gospel back into that. Because, uh, I mean, the whole, whole reason for the gospel is so that we can have eternal life through Jesus in John three sixteen. I think, right. I mean, that's one of your best, <laughs> you know, one of the most famous, if not one of the most famous verses that that's a very pro-life verse, if yeah. you think of it that way. Um, and with when we believe that God's made us, we uh, that's going to affect our whole worldview. And your second point, um, and we've touched on this a little bit. It's uh, you said you're pro-life because we believe God gives life to us. And that was in the second part of um, in the second part of Job, chapter 33, verse four. Um First part says, Spirit of God has made me, with your first point, God made us. Second part uh, in 4b says, and the breath of the Almighty gives me gives me life. Um, when, and this is a good question, I think, to ask. When does, when, when does life begin? Okay, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, well, so so in in the case of Adam, when he was formed from the dust, uh, he didn't become a living, breathing soul until God breath, breathed in him the breath of life. So that then started the chain of events for all of us. Yeah. So once Eve was formed, um, so uh, the Bible doesn't say God breathed into her, but the um, you can just um, pull from those passages that that once she woke up, she was breathing. Mm. Okay, so we have breath that was given to us by God. And when you when you look at that Job passage that I brought up too, which is very similar to Psalm 139 and Isaiah and Jeremiah, and I'll just read it to you. It says, you formed me with your hands, you made me, yet you now completely destroy me. Remember, you made me from the dust, Will you turn me back to dust so soon? So Job's whole thing was he realizes that if he doesn't get better, he's going to die. And he doesn't understand why God's taking his life. Right. And then verse 10 says, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. And then you clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. And which, so, and which passage is that again? That's that Job 10, 8 okay. 12. So in that passage, then, according to Job, is that God guided the conception and formed the child. So if you've heard people say, well, that one was a mistake mm. when they got pregnant. Yeah. Well, 
it might have been a mistake that they didn't use birth control or whatever, and they got pregnant. But the the child is not a mistake. Because what Job's saying is that the fact that the child is in being now, that the child's been formed in the womb, is is an act of God. Well, he's saying he's even created. conception, right? That that God had a hand in even the conception part of it. Yeah. Now, if, it, if a child was conformed in sin, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that God was ordaining the sin. So, for example, like Bathsheba and David, yeah. uh, she got pregnant, and and it's very and, possible that he could have could have raped her. There's some ambiguity there. Well, but, yeah, yeah. So we don't really right. know. But anyway, so the child then is born premature, right? And he's praying that the child will live, and the child didn't live, right? Uh, and then he said, you know, uh, he can't come to me, but I'll go to him. So that was kind of a reference to resurrection and being reunited one day. Yeah. So we believe then that, that these children, these preborn babies, uh, when they're formed at conception, they begin that process. We believe that they already have the DNA. They're already a human being. They're already in God's eyes, already whatever he's got planned for them has been already in that moment in time established. Okay. So if that, that child's life is cut short, you know, I believe that that child, that innocent child is in heaven right now. No, so even if a me. woman has an abortion, you know, the child is still uh, taken care of by God. Yes. And so, uh, so then that helps you to um, realize that even in, you know, terrible times. There's been plenty of testimony where people that were um, adopted out oh, yeah. through, you know, whatever, whatever formed, whatever, whatever caused the pregnancy. Um, there's been plenty of lives that, that have been saved and given where the person then was able to live a productive life and, and, and continue on in life, even if they were born under um, terrible circumstances. Now, uh, so we just we believe then that that every life is important, and and so then God then is the one that breathes, so He's the sustainer of life. So really, it's up to God whether or not someone's going to live and and live, like I said, one hundred years or one hundred days. Yeah, that's in His hands. So what we're doing then is we're making decisions. That really God should be making right, and I and I'm I'm on board with all that. I think I think you said that real well. We've talked, um, Jeff. We've talked a lot about you know being pro life, pro life. Excuse me, inside the womb. Let's uh let's transition and talk about because life just just isn't uh the conception and being born part, but it's the the living part afterwards. You know the developmental stages. Um, you know in childhood, adolescent, and adulthood. Um. What are ways, uh, what are practical ways believers can be pro-life to people outside of the womb? If you well, will. first of all, you can support places like pregnancy support yeah. services that have these women. They decide to keep their child. Some of them keep it and some uh, then put their child up to adoption. Uh, so then uh, you can support them. They take care of the, They bring, they give the kids diapers. They do all the stuff. They they see that baby to term and they, they support that woman. Yeah. And, right. and I think that's really huge too, is because uh, especially if you have a terrible scenario, like a teenage girl gets pregnant yeah. with what, however that may have come about. Not a lot of teenage girls, if any, can support a baby on her own. Yeah. 
And when we come alongside somebody like that, I think, I mean, that can be such a great testimony for uh, for believers and like a great witness is to help. Right. Kind of like the least of these out. I just want to throw that in. Go back. Uh, <laughs> Go the second thing is we don't need to be judgmental to mm. people. Uh, people do get in situations where they become pregnant. Uh, we need to support them and encourage them. Because what happens in the church a lot of times is they feel condemnation. So a lot of times a, a young girl may go get an abortion because she doesn't want to feel all the condemnation from the people at the church. So right. church people just have to say, look, and, uh, you know, if you're here, like if you the video with the lady that had the abortion and started the, the pregnancy support services, then... Her young grandson falls in love with a girl who has a baby, and that girl goes to the pregnancy support service that woman founded, and now that woman's the great grandmother of that child. So it's it's all about love, support, non-judgmental, non-condemnation, and so um, so we just have to get past all the uh, finger pointing and all that stuff because all of us are sinners. We all have sins in our life we all have our own struggles and so support those people if someone choose like like my brother's uh girl that he got pregnant you know we that was a great example during the funeral i i I really celebrated her choice to have a baby because that was right around this time Mm. all this was going on with roe v wade uh, back in 1973 um so support those people encourage them then uh, if you're able, foster children that were born into situations that maybe are not the best, uh, or adopt children. Be willing to adopt if you can, if you can afford it and you feel God's lead to you. Um, so there's all kind of ways we can do that. As far as uh, end of life care, uh, you know, we believe that that uh, there's dignity in dying, and places like hospice and all help people be able to do all that. Um, to be able to um, minister your family member and keep them uh, comfortable and all, but but there there is dignity in dying. We're all going to die one day. Yeah. And so just to, to be non-judgmental as much as you can be, um, and loving and forgiving and just gracious to people. Yeah, I want to. Um, you mentioned something with adoption, and uh, I mentioned this on here before, but that that process is very near and dear to my heart with a. Uh, with my family, my, to be specific, my parent, my mom and dad, um, adopted two boys back in, uh, 2019 was the finalized date for that. And for one, I love it because adoption really is a clear picture of the gospel. I love it for that. But when you've got adopted siblings, like how I do it, it really does. The pro-life thing becomes much more personal for me like that because I've got two people who, two brothers now, who honestly were just for, to <laughs> save a whole story time, the their prior living conditions were not great. Um, stuff that, you know, kids shouldn't have to go through. But to be able to offer a better life for kids who may not have had that otherwise, you do get a lot of blessings. Now, I will say... Uh, I do encourage people to look into fostering or even if it's doing something like respite because I know and my family knows well that fostering and adoption is not always walking through a field of 
dandelions and wildflowers. You know, it's not always it's not always uh, easy. Um, you know, coming alongside people and supporting them, um, having adopted kids over at like friends' birthday parties, just some simple stuff like that. I can tell you can mean the world of that, and can add to that, and can add to our Christian witness to that because that does help people. I, you know, I know of um you know, a family here who's adopted a child and the, and the child's such a big blessing to them. And the children are a blessing to the um, adopted family. And luckily with um, North Carolina Baptists, we have a rocking North Carolina Baptist Children's Home Program through the through the Baptist State Convention. And uh, we went on a mission trip there just to help them out. Kids who uh, whose parents did choose life, they might not have been able to support them. But um, we as Baptists, I think, when, with our children's homes here in North Carolina, do a great job at doing that, and I love, I love that we do have that option to go support them. Um, get with us on, you know, if you, if you as a listener, um, whether you're a member of our church or not, if you're interested in anything like that, hit me up, hit Jeff up. We'd love to be able to point you to that if you feel like the Lord's got that on your heart. Um, cause with, with life, I mean, given given somebody life who and better quality of life. There, there is a huge blessing in that. There's a lot of rewards. It's tough, but I just, from a personal note, I did want to throw that in there because, um, and I think that's one reason this topic for me, yeah, honestly, is so personal because uh, I'm very passionate about pro-life. I, I hate the idea of abortion, but like you were talking about not judging, a lot of times we as believers, if we're honest with ourselves, we kind of can act like abortion's the unpardonable sin or, you know, any other stuff. And it's not. No. It's not. And But the way we talk about it, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself right here too, the way we talk about it can almost seem like it is. Right. And I think that's where, and going back to why you chose this passage, having that conversation is so is so important because we can push people to um we can really push people to cry because a lot of times the idea of having an abortion can can seem uh ideal but what a lot of people who have had abortions go through and i've heard some testimonies of some stuff like that is it's basically like ptsd after after an abortion there's the overwhelming guilt the overwhelming shame um, the secrecy that's involved in that. They don't need to hear what they're already feeling all the time from believers. Right. They need to know that there is hope. Yeah. Um, that's not talked about a lot. Right. But I wanted to bring that up because we do need to offer an avenue of hope. Yeah. And so, you know what? We, you know, you might have made a mistake, but we all make mistakes. But we can point to somebody who does offer a great transformation of life with Jesus. Yeah. Um, I think in, in like wisdom on going forward. Um, that's what I love about the Proverbs. Proverbs points to like the word, the theme of life a lot, you know, wisdom better, like pointing to wisdom, you know, not just the topic, but the person of wisdom, Jesus going forward, how to, how to live a life, how to live a kingdom field, like with purpose. Because somebody who has struggled with, you know, like abortion and things like that, they, they're probably struggling with purpose, if I had to guess, and guilt and all that. And pointing them to Jesus is the best thing that we can do in prayer. Um, a lot of times through the Psalms, I know uh, 
I know like David and the other Psalms are pleading for justice with God. And just because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, we don't need to stop pleading because we do live in a state right now where it's still legal. Um, there's a lot of avenues where you can get involved. Like I said, through adoption, um, uh, we have, um, there's a program in the RDU area called uh, Love Life. There's a lot of other ways supporting pregnancy centers that we can be a part of this, a part of this uh, good cause of being pro-life and not just being anti-stuff, but showing what we're for is so important and having that conversation with people. Right. And I think, and I think we, we as believers do have to do a better job at not judging, not sounding so condemning and offering hope to the one who can transform them and who can do so many things that or be unimaginable without the power of Christ. So uh, I really, uh, I really enjoy talking with you about this, man. This is a, I think this has been helpful and, uh, I'm looking forward to looking forward to next week. What a what's on the agenda for next week? What are you well, I'm next still week? I'm still trying to figure that out. I got you. All right. Well, we will leave you in suspense. And if you want to know, come to church. If you don't want to know, still come to church because we'd love to we'd love to have you. If there's anything that we uh, uh, can do for you during this time, look, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, we know you're busy during this transition time. That doesn't mean we don't want to minister to you. How, uh, give us opportunities if you're struggling with something let us know we want to be there for you and we will um, we'll do our best to do whatever we can for you so we'd love you Rose of Sharon for anybody who might not even be Rose of Sharon we love you let us know what we can do for you and we will close it out we will see you on the next one so long uh...